0: This is the Game Misconduct Podcast
1: with Don LaGreca.
0: Hey everybody, it's Don LaGreca. It's the Monday edition of Game Misconduct. I've I've been looking forward to this pretty much since I went to bed last night. I mean, these games have just been absolutely incredible. One overtime after the other. And the one game that didn't go in overtime, the Panther-Lightning game, might have been the best of the bunch. And let's welcome in the great E.J. Raddick for a Monday. How are you, sir?
1: Oh, I am great today. I am absolutely great today. It's a beautiful, sunny day. We had some crazy playoff games over the weekend. Got a couple more series starting tonight. The world is all. Everything is good these days, Don. It's good to see fans. I mean, all these fans in these buildings has been. Uh, oh yeah. Going to be weird to watch the games in the North Division because they don't have fans yet. But uh, it's great to see the fans in these buildings, and uh, gives us a little feeling of normalcy, at
0: least what we're used to in our lives, so it's, uh, it's great to see. Oh, listen, the uh, every game has gone to overtime except the uh, the Lightning and the Panthers. Heck, e- even the Flames and Canucks had an interesting game last night. I mean, you couldn't help but have good hockey with the four. I mean, I went to bed last night. It was 4 nothing. I'm like, all right, and then I just kind of looked out of curiosity, and I see that the Flames had to win an overtime 6-5, to five. So, so even a team just playing out the string still felt like they had to go and entertain everybody
1: yeah that was kind of crazy i, I did this. i didn't really pay much attention to it and then i just saw this morning that that had happened i was like wow yeah so i uh, give hey, credit to credit to the uh the two teams there i mean that's got to be a very difficult spot it's you know you have games like this at the end of a season but the playoffs have not started in this case the, the focus of everyone is on the playoffs, and there are a couple of these games that are still being played. And so that's going to be ex- just very unusual and very difficult, or different. I shouldn't say difficult. They're playing hockey for crying out loud, but just different for the players to get motivated and uh, give the guys credit. They really went out and played the whole 65 minutes, or, you know, as it ended up somewhere in there, and, uh, you know, they gave a good show. So unusual circumstances but it's good that they do it because this way we don't have any you know basically we're set up for the draft and for the and for the order of finish that we need to kind of move forward at the end of any season
0: yeah you want to finish what you started and there's still two more games between the flames that Canucks. both afternoon games coming up on uh, tuesday and wednesday but let, let's get to Let's get to the playoffs, and, and, and let's go with that Panther-Lightning uh, series. I think we both agreed this was going to be epic. And if game one is any kind of indication, this is going to be a lot of fun. I, I want to see seven games. It's a shame that one of these teams have to go out in the first round. But we did have a little controversy, and that, of course, is the Bennett disallowed goal because of goaltender interference. A lot of people have different opinions on this. Where do you stand? You know, a lot of
1: people have different opinions on a lot of things, right? Right. <laughs> So, right. you know, that's okay. Um, I thought it was a good call. I thought that, uh, you know, he, he, he used his stick to kind of pitchfork the goaltender and turn him around, and, and subsequently there was room for the puck to go in. So I thought, i, I got to give the reps on the ice a lot of credit because they called it right on the ice, and uh, that's a tough one to to, to make a call on. Uh, you know, it happens really quick. I mean, it was such high intensity level in that game throughout, but certainly in the first part of the game, uh, maybe at – its highest level as well, so uh, you know I give, them, I give them credit. It was a good call, and uh, you know the Tampa Bay Lightning. should their experience showed, right? Because they get a face off off that play in the neutral zone, and it's, uh, you know they're they're killing a penalty at that moment. And what happens? They're able to gain control and, and go down the ice in a matter of seconds and score a shorthanded goal. So um, you know the Tampa Bay Lightning, the one area in this series where they do have a decided advantage is in playoff experience. And I thought that showed last night. I thought when Florida had a four-three lead late, or at least mid, more than halfway through the third period. I mean, Sam Bennett just loses control of his emotions and he just runs uh, Blake Coleman from about fifty feet. It was you know you couldn't have a more obvious penalty call. In fact, he's likely going to get suspended. And uh, you know, just you lose your edge right there. The last thing you want to do is put the Tampa Bay Lightning on the power play and. We saw what happened after that. So Tampa, I thought last night. I mean, they played. Both teams played well, and it was a great game. And it was so much fun to watch. It's it's one of those games that if you can bring anybody to that game and yeah. sit them there, they're a hockey fan by the end of that game because they're just they're just mesmerized by what they're seeing. So it was a fantastic game. But I thought Tampa's experience in big moments helped them in that game, and uh, they were able to find a way to get it done.
0: Yeah, and Bennett will have a hearing later today, so we'll see if he does indeed get that uh, suspension for charging. Uh, stay out of the box, right? That that's got to be the message Joel Quinville tells his team because this the, really, I mean, it, it was a great, entertaining game, but you know, you're not winning many playoff games when you when you allow three power play goals in a shorty.
1: Yeah, exactly right. I mean, the good news is five on five, Florida played very well, but. Tampa Bay with Kucherov back in the lineup, with Stamkos back in the lineup. You saw it play out yesterday. I mean, you go across to Kucherov, and he beats you twice from that side. And then when you now, you have to overplay him, and what does he do? He slides into the middle for a great point for basically a tap-in. So, I mean, they've just got, they've got really high-end weapons on that power play. I thought Victor Hedman's game got overlooked last night. I mean, his deception on a couple of those passes... Uh, really made, set it up, especially the first Kucherov goal. I mean, he looked he looked to Stamkos and kind of turned his wrist and moved the puck over to Kucherov, and he was able to bury it. Uh, so you, you just can't put that Tampa Bay Lightning on the power play. They just have too many weapons. I mean, that's the problem for the Florida Panthers in this series. They want to play physical. They want to play on the edge. They have success playing against Tampa that way. But you have to try to stay on that line if you can, because you put them you give them 3 4 5 power play opportunities in a the game they're going to burn you
0: no they're going to kill you so that that's going to be an exciting series you know and the only one that didn't go to overtime the deciding goal came in the minute and 14 seconds left Islanders, that was an entertaining game as well and, and kind of unexpected just because of the number of goals. You're kind of used to the Islanders shutting it down, but they got the goal when they needed it. And there it is. The the, the first star, Palmieri, acquired at the deadline this year. Second star, Pajot, acquired at the deadline by Lou the year before. So you're starting to see Lou's fingerprints on this. It's just now... What do you do? Where, where where do we stand right now with Varlamov, and is uh, is um, Shirokin now going to be the guy until further notice?
1: All right, I just got to make one more comment on the Lightning game. Just like if there's ever if there's if there's any more of a clutch player than Braden Point, I haven't seen
0: him. Right? Yeah, yeah, this yeah. Guy
1: just it all big, and that was a great finish last night. But to get to the Islanders and the game last night, I mean, Shirokin was brilliant. I thought. I, I thought Pittsburgh was was much the better team through two periods. If it wasn't for Sorokin, it's probably 4-5-1. or five, one. He makes a great skate save on the Crosby uh, deflect from, you know, the off-wing side of the cage, left shot on the right post. We've seen him make that play a million times in his career. Uh, I just thought Pittsburgh was much the better team. I thought Sorokin was, was much the better goalie. I mean, Kristen Jari had big problems in goal. I thought the first goal, I could defend him a little on the first goal. Um, You know, the the Penguins defense there, they didn't challenge Palmieri enough. They backed in. Pedersen kind of let Palmieri walk across the zone. Anytime the puck carrier can carry the puck across the middle and the goaltender has to follow him, you can lose your way a little there. He made a good shot. So it's one you will like to have. But, again, I don't totally blame that one on him because – you just can't allow the puck carrier to take the puck across like that. You've got to engage him at some point. The goal that really was the backbreaker for me, or the, I shouldn't say backbreaker, but the the goal that changed the game for me was the Pajot goal because yeah. it's the same side of the ice, clear-sighted shot from the top of the circle on an angle, and, I mean, he beat some clean over the glove there, and that, that you could just feel things change in that building early in the third period when he scored. And the, and the honors then got on a little bit of a run and got in the game and had some chances and subsequently Jari made a couple of saves. You know, to keep it at 2-2, they give up the third goal on a Brock Nelson shot kind of between the legs of Latang. Uh, I thought that Jari might have been guessing high glove there and he allowed it to go under the glove between his arm and the body. The aisles kind of get caught right away, uh, you know, kind of pushed back into their zone by Carter and, and Kapanen. So we get into overtime. And that overtime goal, I mean, you know, that's the that's the negative of that, you know, the way the goalies play now. We see it so many times, Don. You call games, you probably see it all the time. Is You know, that happens so fast. It's a bang-bang play. The puck is on edge. But Palmieri doesn't really have to think there, right? All he has to do is I have to try to get it in this area. I have to kind of shoot for the guy's head. Because if I can hit the side of his head, it may go in. And in this case, I think it went in clean in that little bit of a hole that's there. So that's the, that's the, the negative for me with the goaltenders playing the way they do. is The shooters don't really have to think. And there was no time to think in that matter. The only thing Palmieri knew he needed to do, probably, was I got to get it up near his head. And he just ripped it, and he had good fortune, and he hit the post, and it went in. So, I mean, pr- you know, it's one of those things
0: probably tough to read with the bouncing puck, right? As far as like where exactly you think the puck is going to end up going, right? I, that's what I thought at least, where maybe if it was settled down on the ice that Jari could have read it better. Do you think it's difficult to read when the puck's bouncing like that?
1: He's not, he's not really... This is the thing with the goaltenders. In that situation, it's, clearly, it's just a percentage game. They're not really reading the puck at all. What they're doing is they're blocking, they're taking away the the low part of the ice and along the, the pipe as best they can trying to keep their torso high and if you look at the net from that angle right from where that puck leaves the stick the, the percentage of that puck going in or the, the space that that puck has to go in I mean it's like maybe 1% of the net 2% of the net it's not a lot of space so that's it's just a percentage game so when you say is he trying to read it I don't think he's trying to read anything he's just trying to get into position yeah get into that, I guess, reverse VH and take away all that room, right? Because 30 years ago, a guy would have just shot it into your feet and you would have been standing up and it might have hit your skate or your stick and went in. But now this is the way they play, and the shooters are so good in this game that they can hit those spots. And even if it's, you know, again, there's no there's no time to think there. If you watch the play, it comes to that quick pass out from Pajot is knocked down on the backhand side by by Palmieri. He quickly gets it to his forehand. The puck is bouncing and rolling, and I give him credit for being able to just make a play there, but sometimes when that puck is bouncing and rolling, it's almost like a lacrosse shot because you can, you get it, and it kind of cups into the flat of your blade, and you can kind of, like, fling it. And Palmieri is, you know, again, these guys, that's what they do. It's repetition over and over and over, of shooting pucks in all different forms and fashion, and trying to get it up in the, you know from that angle, you're just trying to get it up at the guy's head. That's it. There's no, you're not looking anywhere. You don't have the time. You're just trying. You know, you know, based on what the goalies do, that's the chance I have mm. to score. And in this case, Palmieri just had you know just made a great shot, and it's, he would probably tell you it's more good fortune than not. I would say that that good fortune is the. You know, the old story, luck is the residue of design because you practice over and over and over shooting pucks. It's kind of a muscle memory thing, and, uh, you know, he was able to hit the spot. So it was a tough day for Jari, but I would go back. That Tajou goal, Don, changed everything for me. Yeah, because he gave the arms life and got them tied, and if it wasn't for Sorokin earlier in the game, it wouldn't have been that
0: close. And uh, and you probably don't even have an answer for this because they keep everything so hush hush. But where do we even stand with De Smith as an option as this series goes on?
1: It doesn't look like he's an option at least in the short term. So I think that you know, and again, I'm not there, but he has. Not, he didn't. He was not on the bench.
0: Yeah, he didn't dress. yesterday,
1: right? So you'd have to see if he practices today. Um, I, think the guy, I think they're in with Jari for at least game two. He did make some good saves in other portions of the game, but, you know, let's face it, the honors are going to be looking for that glove side now, and if he starts becoming a guesser, now it's bit, it's even more problematic because if a guy misses his shot and he doesn't get to the top of the net, you're cheating that way. Now you're leaving other areas exposed. So, right. um you know, this is a huge win for the Islanders, and, and the fashion in which it came gives them a lot of confidence, right? Because, I mean, the Penguins are 1-10 in 10 in their last 11 playoff games. And, you know, they have a goaltending issue right now, at least until Jari plays better in game two. Like, if he plays really good in game two, okay, they've got to plug that leak for the time being. But the Islanders have to feel really good about the fact that, hey, this guy is not an issue. We're going to, you know, we have an area we're going to attack him. And our goaltending is strong. And, uh, you know, Sorokin was terrific in that game, like I say. I mean, uh, I thought he was great. I thought it was, you know, and this just goes for what's going on around the league. We saw it with Craig Anderson the other day. I think it's fascinating that if Sorokin gets dinged up in that game, it's Corey Schneider. I mean, yeah. Corey Schneider is in, and he has not played all year. I know. So, it's just, you know, the goaltending situation this year has been really fascinating. I said it at the start of the year. I said, you know, love your goaltenders. Hold on to them dearly this <laughs> year because with the COVID issues and with other problems, it's not a normal year. You just can't call somebody up from the minors that's necessarily playing a lot. Uh, you have to have guys on the taxi squad. Those guys aren't playing necessarily at all. So, Craig Anderson came in and was really good the other night and when he had to be and and helped the Caps, and the Caps, I think, rallied around him to a certain degree too. And yesterday, Sorokin was really good, but I mean, there was a time I think it was Rust fell on Sorokin. Yeah. And I'm looking at him, so he was shaking up, and I'm like, Corey Schneider could end up in this game. So it's a it's a crazy time right now with the goalies. But Sorokin was terrific. We'll see what happens if Ralumov is, you know, gets to the point. I think you play Sorokin again and get Ralumov on the bench. So he's available, and then you see where you go from there. But, uh, you know, this is the beauty of having a guy like this who's not a kid, right? Sorokin has played a lot of big games. He's an older rookie. He's 25. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, he showed his experience of playing a lot of games in his career, showed he didn't look frazzled at all.
0: Speaking of goaltending, Mark andre Fleury and Cam Talbot were spectacular yesterday in the one nothing win for the Wild. 42 saves for Talbot. I feel so good for him, right? He's kind of bounced around since his time with the Rangers, but it's easy to kind of forget how he helped the Ranger team win the President's Trophy when Hank had that jaw issue. So I'm happy for Cam. Um, Vegas, I, I have him winning the Cup, and I'm not going to be deterred by one loss, but what, what's the latest with Max Pacioretty? Because without him... It could be t- a tough slog for Vegas here.
1: Well, I mean, I guess he's close, but he's not ready yet. He didn't play, so we'll have to monitor that. It's hard to get any information during this time of year, so they've got to hope he can be back in there. But I mean, you know, there's narratives that carry along in the playoffs, right? And from year to year, and I just mentioned one: the Penguins are one in ten now in their last eleven playoff games, and you know that's something that could start. You know, if the honors win Game Two in Pittsburgh and are up two nothing. I mean, you're going to be hearing a lot about how the Penguins don't win in the playoffs anymore, right? And the Vegas Golden Knights—I mean, they don't score. That was the narrative last year in the postseason. I mean, they turned Thatcher Demko into Jacques Plante and almost allowed the Vancouver Canucks to steal the series last year uh, against them in, in, you know, in the uh, in the first round, I believe it was at that point, and then in the second round or later in the in the playoff, it was uh, it was Anton Hudobin. So maybe that was the third one. I, I get I get lost in the bubble series of last year. But bottom line was Vegas doesn't score goals. And they got to find a way to score. And I, and I watched there was one particular play when Jonathan Marshall came through the middle and he kind of weaved through a couple of guys in the middle. He's got the puck on his forehand about 15 feet out. Just shoot it from there. Just shoot it. You're, you're, you're squared to the net. You have the most net you're going to have right there because if worst-case scenario – if you put it in the goalie's feet, there's chances are that Talbot's, there's going to be a loose puck there. Instead, he comes across the crease. Talbot, to his credit, stays with him. And by time he shoots, the percentage of net that he has to shoot at is a lot less. And Talbot does a good job and closes him down and then is able to, to hang on. So he did a great job. And Talbot was absolutely terrific in that game. And I'll say it on, this, on your show, Donald. I've said it already in a couple of places. When Talbot signed last year, on free in free agency, I was on the air. Quite frankly, I thought it was way too much money and way too much term—three years and ten million dollars total for Talbot. I just couldn't understand, with the goalie market as it was, why they would make that kind of commitment. Well, they're showing me because yeah. Talbot's played terrific all year, and he's a great story, as you know, from his time with the Rangers. And boy, he's been liked out good for the Minnesota Wild. So I was dead wrong. I don't know if I still wouldn't know if I would have wanted to pay him three years at that kind of money based on what the market was in the summer or in the I guess in the fall now. But boy, he's been good, and Flurry was great as well. But you know, Vegas has got to find a way to score goals. It's just you know you're not going to go on and win a Stanley Cup uh, you know one nothing two one every night. They've got to find a way.
0: Yeah, and that um, that fourth round matchup with Dallas, they lost in five and scored eight goals in the five games. There you yeah. go. Yeah, so yeah. that yeah, that's an issue. And and listen, Patcharreddy's been great for them. So if he's not going to play, you know, you're taking a a huge weapon away from them. So I still think they're okay because I think Flurry's good. And listen, they had 42 shots on goal. They just got to learn how to finish. I'm not sure they're going up against a team that's going to light the lamp too much either. So probably get a lot of what we saw yesterday again.
1: Minnesota, though, like that game was weird, Don, because the first half of the game, Vegas really had that. That's where they rolled up that shot advantage. I think they outshot them 20 to 5 in the first period. So that's where they rolled up that advantage. And then the second half of the game, Minnesota played very well. Ryan Hartman had about five golden scoring chances that Flurry denied him on each and every time. But the Minnesota Wild have had the number of the Vegas Golden Knights, not only this year. But going back to their their first year in the league, when when everybody had trouble with the Vegas Gold Knights, Minnesota was the one team I think had a winning record against them in the regular season. So we'll see how it plays out. Vegas played very well. They just have to find a way to score. But Minnesota's they're one of these they're one of these weird teams right now with good goaltending, and they find a way. And these these are the games they want. They want to be in a game where they have a puncher's chance to score late. And that's what they did in, uh, you know, in Sunday's game. And, you know, the Greenways and the Erickson X and these type of players, the Fialas, and uh, you go down the line, some of these young players are really starting to emerge for Minnesota.
0: And we go back to Saturday where it all started, an overtime win for the Washington Capitals. And Craig Anderson, you mentioned it earlier, you know, getting that chance to come in in relief just a couple of days away from his 40th birthday, fourth oldest player to come in in relief and win a playoff game, and, and the other three are on the Hall of Fame for one reason or the other, you know, with Curtis Joseph and, of course, with Jacques Plante. Um, just an amazing performance for him. You feel so good for him to be able to go in there and have that kind of performance and help them win. Yeah, I mean, it's
1: uh, yeah, like I said, it's an unusual year with goaltenders, and, and Craig has had a lot of success in the postseason. I mean, I think the last playoff game he played – was that double overtime loss to the Penguins when he was a member of the Ottawa Senators uh, in the Eastern Conference Final. Yep,
0: 2017.
1: I mean, yeah, he was terrific. Uh, Penguins went on to win the Cup that year. He was terrific uh, you know, in that series, and he had a history of being a good playoff goaltender. So, smart move by Brian McClellan. Once uh, Henrik Lundqvist was out of the picture this year, that, uh, you know, he went out and found Craig Anderson and just kept him around. It's kind of like what Lamarillo did with Corey Schneider. Now, I have a little more faith in Craig Anderson right now because he's just been, he's played, not that he's played a lot this year, but he's played a lot over the last couple of years, and he's, you know, he's been in a bad situation with Ottawa, but, you know, Corey has, has had his ups and downs and hasn't played at all this year, so... Uh, it's it's interesting how it played out, and it looks like he's going to be the guy for Game Two this evening. I thought Boston missed a ter- Boston missed a wonderful opportunity in Game One because they're playing a Washington Capitals team that's onto their third or fourth or fifth goalie, however you look at their depth chart, and they're playing them without Evgeny Kuznetsov, who's a real you know igniter for them offensively, and one of their top two centers, and yet. They couldn't get a ton going in the game, really. Even when the goaltenders or the goaltender change occurred, you know they just didn't get enough going. And uh, Bruce Cassidy said after the game, he goes, "I do not think our top players, you know, just they just didn't have enough tonight." And you know, the Washington Capitals under Peter Laviolette—I mean, you remember last year in the bubble? I mean, they were flatter than a pancake with the emotion. And, you know, this year, Ovechkins comes out of the gate like he was just let out of, you know, like he was running the Preakness or something. They open the gate, and there he goes. And, uh, you know, the Washington Capitals are playing with much more emotion this year. And and I watched the game. I kind of felt bad for Henrik Lundqvist because this would have been a wonderful opportunity for him to be in there with this group this year that is that is really dialed in, I think, emotionally. And they've got good players, and they're big and strong and hard to deal with. But, uh, you know, that wasn't to be, but it was a big win for the Caps in game one. And, uh, you know, I think the Boston Bruins, I know the games are in Washington, and they always, the old saying is, you know, the series doesn't start until you, you know, until you lose a home game. But, you know, the Washington Capitals, they've got to be just thrilled with that performance yeah. in game one, and, you uh, you know, this is—they uh, took advantage. They were
0: able to find a way to win under a tough circumstance. No, uh, very much so. And by the way, just to clear up that uh, Craig Anderson stat: fourth uh, oldest player uh, goaltender to come in and relief and win a playoff game. It's Jacques Plante. It's Curtis Joseph. It's Lester Patrick. And and, and you know, it's scary just growing up around hockey, EJ. The old man. You even look at the pictures, like Lester Patrick. This old man came in in what was it, the twenty eighth yeah. final, the playing? He was forty four years old. Does it see
1: in the photo? He looks like he's about sixty, right? <laughs> right. I mean, he really looks old in the photo that you have from back in the day, and no mask. So I mean, you know, that was that was crazy. To think about that so many years ago, but uh, you're right. You remember that because you know we're old enough that uh, you know you you you'd see that you'd hear that story more often than when we were kids because we were obviously it was closer in time to what it had happened. Obviously, almost a hundred years ago now, so you don't hear that story as much. But what a crazy story that was! That was a different era. I guess you only have one goalie at that time that played all the time, and then I guess sometimes like the trainer or somebody in management would come in. If somebody
0: was hurt, right? It's amazing that they felt like that was the way to move forward. <laughs> you know, no backup <laughs> goaltender, having the home team decide who's going to decide your fate between the pilot it Just, it's weird. Yeah, it,
1: uh, 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 yeah. it yeah. is. Just, but we did have David Ayers come in last year, right?
0: Yeah, so that's,
1: that's true. A weird situation as well. So, Zamboni I mean, drivers and everything
0: else. So, I mean, who yeah. did you have winning the cup? Did you make a prediction?
1: I had uh, Colorado winning the cup um, over Carolina, but I mean, listen, it's. Johnny, I would just say this. Who the heck really knows?
0: No, I, mean, I know. We just
1: watch the game this weekend, right? I mean, Boston, I thought, is coming in there. They're relatively healthy. They're slotted really good. They've got a veteran goalie who's playing good. And, you know, they come out and they were relatively flat in the game. Then Washington went out after them physically. And they had a you know, and they have like again, a guy comes out of nowhere that barely played this year and comes in a net and they end up winning in overtime. You just would have thought it set up perfectly for Boston. So the beauty of this era of our game, the salary cap era, is that there is tremendous parity and there is there's not a lot of difference between winning and losing. And you saw that you certainly saw that over the last couple of days. I mean, think of all those games. They're all Three overtime games, and the other one might as well have been an overtime because it was it was decided in the last uh, less than ninety seconds left in regulation time. So the margin between victory and defeat in this league is so thin. And uh, again, I thought there was no better example of that than what we've seen this weekend, where every game was decided—you uh, know—was a razor's edge; it could have gone one way or the other.
0: And that means the series will probably go that way, and it should be. A lot of fun. Enjoy it. You want more of EJ, 4 o'clock Eastern Time on the NHL Network with NHL Now. And we'll talk to you next Monday, man.
1: You got it, buddy. Have a great week.
0: All right, that is the great, I mean the great EJ Raddock. Three playoff games tonight, game two between the Bruins and the Capitals from Washington. And EJ's so right that they let the Capitals off the hook, and that was a game that Boston should have gotten, and they didn't, so now we'll see if Washington can take advantage and take a 2-0 series lead, and a couple of other series will get underway. It's amazing, so many great games here to start the playoffs, and, and still more series have not started that have started. Predators and the Hurricanes from Carolina. You know my thoughts. I got the hurricane sweep in this series. I just think they're way better. This might be the biggest mismatch, I think, of the postseason. And at 10 o'clock tonight, the Blues and the Avalanche from Colorado. So we've still got a lot to do. And then, of course, on Tuesday, we will see um, the continuation of the series between the Penguins-Islanders. Panthers, Lightning, Golden Knights, and Wild, and then Game 55 between uh, the Flames and the Canucks. That'll be a four o'clock Eastern Time start, so you get a little afternoon hockey. And then on Wednesday, we'll have a three uh, a three thirty start for the Canucks and the Flames. So even though these games are meaningless compared to the playoffs, give you a little afternoon hockey. So we'll come back on Wednesday and we'll talk about that again. Thanks for everybody joining the Bracket Challenge for Game Misconduct on ninety ESPN. I'm not sure how it works on whether you can jump in, even though the playoffs are already started, but still check it out follow it and again we're giving away a authentic game-worn jersey at the end of the playoffs so uh, looking forward to that but so many people signed up at such a late notice so we really uh, think that was tremendous so thank you so much back again on wednesday we'll have a clearer picture on what's going on with the playoffs who's in trouble who's not but these have been just a tremendous start to the postseason i think it's going to get better and better so we'll be back with you again on wednesday this was the monday edition of game misconduct
1: This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don McGregor.